0: The Tea Health Show, your medical lifestyle podcast, brought to you by the Tea Clinic.
1: Good morning, I'm Dr. Mark, this is the Tea Health Show, and um, today's topic is about the Tea Clinic itself. We, we often get questions um, about how the Tea Clinic came about and exactly what it is that we do there. So, I've invited uh, Sister Elise Van Art, my right hand in the practice, on, on the show. Uh, Elise, morning. Good morning. Sims, you look ravenous. What Thank are you, you doing differently?
2: Ravishly. Ravenous.
1: <laughs> oh, you want to R- eat her? People would like to eat her, boys. I can tell you she looks like a tasty bite. And then um, we we have one of our old friends um, old friend. on the show today as well. Oh. Uh, I need oh. to oh. deal Lugatti. with that every
2: day. I'm called yeah. Tani. So yes. just oh. man it's up. It's a term of
1: endearment. <laughs> yes. So uh, morning, Dante. Hello. Okay, so... Um, do you want to... Kick off? Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, obviously, I'd like to know things like um, how the tea clinic came about. But before we go anywhere near that, the tea clinic, what does it mean? Where, where does that name come from?
1: Um Actually I should ask you that question <laughs> because <laughs> you came straight <laughs> back at me. Yes. <laughs> so um, Actually we
2: need to start why Dante on this on the show.
1: Why? Because um the whole idea behind the T Clinic was actually Dante's. Okay, fantastic. Um, many years ago um we were talking about what is happening in the States and one of the things that you came up with was uh, testosterone supplementation and testosterone optimization? Clinic.
2: How did you know that? Is it because you travelled there and were exposed no, to I it? No, I came
0: across an article. I think it was. Um, it must have been on on the web okay. um, about testosterone supplementation and um, what what it was doing for people. And I looked up various um, testimonials and so on, and it just sounded amazing mm. absolutely amazing so i said to mark you should seriously consider going into something like that mm. at that stage i think you were concentrating almost entirely on aesthetics yeah. if i'm not mistaken yeah um, and it took me a while to convince him he wasn't sold on the idea why to
1: start with. for a simple reason back then there was no data okay and um, being a
2: medical professional, it's very important. Yeah, to
1: absolutely. We need to know that um, what we do is safe. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, there wasn't any data. When here. was that now? So more this or less? was around twenty fourteen. So. Okay, yeah. Yeah. it's already when, nearly when ten we, years. When we started um, with our first patients on Look, that. I,
0: I think a lot of men were using testosterone, especially in bodybuilding and gym and so on. Yes. But it wasn't being exploited um, in a medical
1: environment. Yeah. yeah so I, think d- I wouldn't effect. use the word exploit. I would actually um, say used. used okay, use. yeah. Um, and um, the data that we had back then um, all contradict what we know now. Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, as with what we've seen in uh, the change in position with uh, female hormone uh, optimization over the years, and at least uh, just remember back in the early 2000s, hormone treatment was, you know, no, you don't do that. It's not good for you. It can cause cancer. And what we know today about not only the benefits of optimal hormone optimization, but the risk of not doing.
2: Okay, but we didn't know still. Exactly. So where does the T-clinic name come
1: from? So the T-clinic name came from testosterone. testosterone. And back then, you know what I said, with my background in obstetrics and gynecology, I said, okay, I'll do this, but I'm not going to do women. Hmm. Um, And we focus purely on men because no one was doing it. Yes. No one was treating men for um, signs and symptoms of andropause. Which Um, is so
2: unfair because that's what men experience as well. Not only women with uh, menopause.
1: So so many men have been told over the years, well, you're getting older. Mm. It's normal. And it's not. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's where we started um, with also, treating the signs and symptoms of andropause.
0: Just the name thing again, um, T Clinic. Originally, it was going to be the Testosterone Clinic. Yes. Dot com, and I couldn't register it as a dot com because there already was a testosterone uh, clinic.
2: Okay. That's okay. why
0: the T Clinic came okay. about. But originally, it was just strictly for men. Yeah. It was um, just strictly for men.
1: Um, Which
0: was it, a big shift for you. Be- Absolutely. Because you're focused
2: on aesthetics for females.
1: Well, you know, with aesthetics in general, but if you look at the distribution between men and women, when you think about aesthetic treatments, it's probably 90, 90 10 yeah. for 10 uh, towards women. Because um, I'm,
2: I'm very interested then, how did you market the concept, I? Were you involved in that?
0: Look, the original marketing... Oh, slight, Sorry, slight mishap there. Okay, don't um. break the <laughs> microphone. I don't know how that yes. sounded. Chris is crawling around on the floor <laughs>
1: trying to salvage stuff. Um, no,
0: originally what what we did was I created the first website mm-hmm. for the tea clinic, Yeah. which was just a page. But at least we were now out there. Yeah, um, and then from there. I got him onto the first radio show.
1: Yeah, the first one. Yeah, the first one that we did was actually Classic FM. We spoke about this. Wait, Classic (laughs) FM? Classic FM. It's (laughs) all classic, (laughs) darling. Yeah. Well, um, you know, was it Classic FM? Was it it not. uh, It was one evening on Talk Radio. No, no, no. That's
0: a different thing. No, no, that was a. 93.5 or something. No, no, no. The original one was definitely It was definitely Classic FM because also we I spoke to Mark about it and thought uh, what's the the right kind of demographic, demographic? Mm. and the classic fm Oh, crowd absolutely would probably makes were,
1: sense yeah well, but, you know what Elise this was the very, very strange thing that we experienced when when we came up with a concept, and when I finally bought in to the concept our thought was that we're going to be treating men between the ages of 50, 55 yes. and, and older. Yes. And, you know, what? right off the bat, we started getting guys in their early 40s. Yeah. And, um, and then it became um, even younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Men of 30 that had fatigue, um, decreased libido, erectile problems. Um You know, what? just that general lack of performance in the boardroom, in the bedroom, and on the sports field. I always said, um, you know what, if you get to your 50s and you're sitting in a board meeting Mm -hmm. and you have this young yap wannabes there, they look the part, they have the energy, they're hungry, they want your job. How do you compete with it? Because you can't. Um, And suddenly, when we saw the power of optimal levels of hormones, um, you know what, the 50-year-old started kicking ass because you have all the experience, and you get your zest back, your motivation, your drive, your energy, your overall performance. Just put your to the next level so we our focus was on your guys in executive positions um, managing their life their well-being and ultimately quality of life yeah. which started to decrease and you know it's so many of us of of my generation and um, your generation and Dante's generation are there. You know what, you're at the pinnacle of your career, but, you know, what everything that's happening, it's it's exhausting. Um, you know what, you barely scrape through. And then you have young yuppies that um, are hungry and, you know what, you can't piss against them. No, it's interesting because I think... Uh, the one thing we also got to bear
0: in mind in those early days, we were, in a sense, well, Mark, not we, um were pioneering. Mm. Absolutely, just, that was my next was, question. There was no, no one else doing no what one, you no one ventured did what into. No yeah.
1: And um, the very interesting thing is we learned through experience <clears throat> and then data started becoming Available, accessible. Yo. yeah. And it was so gratifying to see what we've been doing <clears throat> and what we've been saying and seeing is now starting to be validated in medical journals and peer review articles and studies that came out. Don't I, I, I don't know if you can remember when we started doing research there was nothing. Very little, yeah. There was really nothing. And today, Elise, uh, you and I do yeah. a lot of reading. We find new papers yes. being published. Also, in the early days, whatever was there was also contradictory. Yeah, uh, definitely contradictory against what we have today. Sure. Um, you know, it, uh, and and this is, I think, what, what puts the T clinic in the forefront. Of what we do in South Africa, you know, I almost want to say that we are a couple of years ahead of people that do what we do, or people that try and copy us, um, because of our experience in in the field and the amount of research that we do on a daily basis. Um, in twenty fourteen, the biggest fears about testosterone was the impact that it has on cardiovascular health, that Mm. it's detrimental to cardiovascular health. Um, And it was seen as a kind of second-line treatment only for sexual dysfunction in the form of low libido. Um, The stigma of testosterone, men and muscles, um you know what uh, and and that's been disproven we know the uh, benefit that it has on prevention of type 2 diabetes on uh, prevention of cardiovascular disease of cognitive decline um you know the prevention that it can have or the preventative role that it plays in prostate cancer specifically where back then, It was, oh, you need to be careful of testosterone because it can cause prostate cancer. It doesn't. It actually protects you against it. So how did you get around
2: that controversy in those days? And I'm talking 2014 to whenever the new studies was released.
1: When there was a new study, we spoke about it. Yeah. Um, You know what? Um, Our previous uh, host of Mm -hmm. a show, uh, before some took over – was um, Chris Avon-Smith. And back then, he was with Radio Today, which was uh, well listened to. So we did a, a lot of talks on radio. I always said that we have a solution to a problem that men don't know that they have. And our job was to create awareness around the benefit of optimal hormone balancing. And throughout the years, you know, but that's expanded into our females. And in our practice now, our distribution is 50-50. For instance, yesterday we saw three new female patients. But the day before we saw three male patients. So, um, you know, the the amount of knowledge that we now have about the essential role that hormones play in aging is uh, phenomenal, you know, with the amount of data out there.
2: Delaying aging in
1: yeah. yeah. I always say that... People forget our biological lifespan. I'm going to ask some peewee.
2: You know that answer. I think so. Yeah. Some peewee. I can say the right words. <laughs> our
1: biological age is what?
2: Uh, I would say 40
1: Yeah. max. About 38. Okay. Cool. Um, guys, just just think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? When. I was in my teenage years, someone of 60 w- was old. Oh, yes. Um, now, um, you know what? Just you, look we, at me
2: and Dante. <laughs> Speak
1: for yourself. <laughs> we're not <laughs> old. <laughs> just it is the new <laughs> 40. Just, just <laughs> explain. <laughs> yes. explain biological age. So biological lifespan is your estimated lifespan if you were living The way that you uh, were born in the wild. So um, if we look at uh, small little rodents, uh, I think it's lemmings, they they might have a biological lifespan of a year. Now put them into a very cushy little uh, habitat and they might live two years. Mm. So the longest living mammals are actually bowhead whales um, that live up to 200 years. Your other whale species can live up to 70, maybe a little bit longer than that.
2: But that's Uh, the mammals, eh?
1: That's the mammals. Elephants are the only uh, living mammal, uh, terrestrial mammal, that lives longer than humans, and they live up to 52. Um, So, just think about a dog. If we think about a dog, uh, you know what, a big dog will live up to 10 years and then, you know what, they've they've reached a a great age already for a big dog, but a small dog might live longer. Cats, for instance, live longer. Um, So that's a biological Mm -hmm. age. So, hormone levels play a a very important role there because hormone levels fluctuate over your lifespan. Um, When you're young, you don't have a lot of sex hormones, and as you get into reproductive years, your hormone levels start increasing, and then you have a limited lifespan there at the top, and then it starts declining again. But that decline in hormone levels is what causes the diseases of ageing. um, and you know what? Here we look at your cardiovascular diseases, heart attacks and strokes and atherosclerosis. Um, we look at diabetes, which is a disease of aging. Cancer is a disease of aging. It's a tissue that needs to be repaired but no longer repair properly. Just think of your car. You know what, if you don't do proper maintenance on your car, that car's gonna break down and eventually it's gonna end up on the scrap heap. Um, so but that's where hormones play a role. And and uh, you know what, that's what people tend to forget. Hormone levels have a natural decline. So by keeping them optimal and balanced, and this is the key, it's all about balancing. When you when you have optimal balanced hormone levels, you you delay the onset of age-related diseases. Um, and we see that very clearly in women, for instance. Elise, um, we, we know that when estrogen starts to decline, um, postmenopausal women have uh, 20% higher incidence of cardiovascular disease versus women who have optimal hormone levels. So, you know, we know that the estrogen is cardioprotective, both in females and in males. We also see this in, with cognitive decline. The uh, memory center in the brain has the highest concentration of estrogen receptors. So, as estrogen starts declining, you know what, um, you're not stimulating that formation of hormones. Um, And, and memory, and this is, um, related to, uh, cognitive, uh, diseases like dementia, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. Um, mind. um, we need to understand that all your hormones, and there's over 50 of them, and, and I think we've discovered a couple of new ones recently, um, I can't even pronounce them properly, um. But all of them are linked with one another. And if one goes out of sync, it's it's like something in your car breaking. The engine is still going, but the performance of a car starts to decline. And that leads to other problems. And eventually, you know, the whole thing breaks down.
2: We can hear how passionate you are and how knowledgeable mm-hmm. you are. But we need to get back to the questions
0: of where we were. Where we were. Well, yeah, kind of. Okay. Where were we? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you, when you first started with the tea clinic, you treated men for issues like low libido, erectile dysfunction, that kind of thing.
1: Energy, motivation,
0: fatigue. So then, from from administering testosterone and so on, you you expanded and went into hormone balancing. What what made you do that? I mean, what, was how how. What motivated you to do that?
1: Well, Dante, actually the very first thing um, that we realized in the research that we've done is that you cannot use testosterone on its own mm. for one simple reason. It's a cascade. Mm. And I always use the analogy of um, if I if, if your body is a, a factory that makes a product and suddenly Um, you get that product for free. What are you going to do with your factory? It doesn't make sense to keep the factory going. So it switches off. Now, hormone systems work with positive reinforcement and negative feedback. If there's a lot of hormone, it signals the control center, which actually is your hypothalamus pituitary axis, to stop making a hormone. So um, if I artificially elevate a hormone, your body is naturally going to switch off right at the control center. But very few hormone systems only has one hormone. If we look at the hormones involved in your sex hormones, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, there's five different hormones starting with um, gonadotropic hormone. Uh, which stimulates your pituitary gland, to release other stimulating hormones. Um, So that whole axis gets shut down. But then you start creating imbalances in other systems because they're all dependent on the control center, which you are now suppressing. Mm -hmm. So that's where the concept of hormone balancing started. You cannot use testosterone on its own. It has effects in other systems. One down the line, for instance, from testosterone is um, you're going to convert or aromatase more testosterone into estrogen. You're going to reduce testosterone into DHT, testosterone, And those are psychoactive as well as other effects, not only just on the brain, but in other tissues. And from that, um, you know, what we realized that we need to balance. And then we started treating sexual dysfunction, and with a sexual dysfunction, it's so that
2: was not the primary
1: intention. No, the never. primary intention was never sexual dysfunction, okay. but we saw the benefit of treating um, sexual dysfunction with optimal balancing of hormone systems. Mm-hmm. So, Elise, um, and we've spoken it uh, about that um, the last time that we spoke about the treatment of erectile dysfunction. Yeah, ninety uh, percent of erectile dysfunction is actually psychological. So there, you need to work on the brain. Um, you know, with how you relate to sex, how you, what your libido like, etc., etc. It's not just about getting a hard on. If the brain is not signaling. Um, well, enough, or there's psychological problems in the brain, the erectile tissue is not going to function properly. So it's not only blood flow, you have to stimulate to get blood flow.
2: So, is it fair to say that, and you both can answer this question, is that you realize that testosterone was abused?
1: Oh, absolutely. And that and is then one of you the things that
2: a more safe, ethical yeah. way of yeah, 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 managing yeah, yeah. patients.
1: Yeah. You know what, Elise, one of the things that I continuously ranted and raved about um, in those days, and you know what I think I've calmed down because I, I, I don't think you'll change the narrative is that testosterone is freely available. You stand on the corner outside of a gym and two trainers. Um, is going to offer you testosterone. Oh, you, you need to do this if you want to build yes. muscle. But what they don't understand is the physiological um, and endocrine dysfunction that testosterone can cause if you don't know how to use it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also the question of quality.
0: If you yes, get something from the train on the corner. It, it, it's you know, black it's market dirty. products
1: yeah. um, and it's not registered. So number one, it's you're buying a contraband. Product, you might as well buy heroin. It's it's the same thing. Um, so it's not a class one uh, narcotic um, or a banned substance. But for instance, um, in Australia, uh, testosterone, growth hormone, uh, human chorionic gonadotropin, all of those are banned substances. If they catch you with it, they will prosecute you. Um, for having an illicit substance like cocaine. Um, It was very interesting. The other evening I was flicking through um, uh, the channels and I got to something called um, where a woman came in through customs and um, she had human growth hormone in peptide form in her bag and um, it's a controlled substance in Australia and she she was arrested and um, not only given a fine, but she actually did jail time sure. for, yep. for doing that. So these, these medications, it's medications, it's prescription medications. So it can only be given by medical practitioners. So that's one of the big things that that we try to dispel is yes there are benefits to these things, but you know what, they are prescribed products. You can't you can't sell them. They need to be prescribed.
2: In a responsible manner.
1: Absolutely. And used in a responsible manner. One of the biggest Problems that we started seeing with our patients, and especially the younger patients, um, they were in their early thirties or late twenties, and they used testosterone in their teens and in their early twenties. They look amazing, you know, at beefcakes on steroids, um, but they came in with infertility, erectile dysfunction, and psychological and emotional Absolutely. problems. Yeah. So, uh, you know, at, at one point I decided if anyone is under the age of 40, I don't want to see them because I know where it's coming from. And trying to, to fix that problem is, is incredibly difficult. But we do. We do, yes. I, I always equate it to ESCOM because we're all aware of ESCOM. Mm-hmm. So if we have a power surge, when the power comes back on after load shedding, if you're lucky, you know what, um, it's only your TV or one of your appliances that blows out. If if that power surge is big, it's going to be your DB board. Mm-hmm. And if you have a solar flare, it's for transformers. And, that, you know, it's so what they do with using anabolic steroids um, <clears throat> in conjunction with high doses of testosterone, um, it's like frying the system. They literally break the system, and then trying to fix it is incredibly
2: difficult. Yeah,
0: I, I think um, we should bring just <clears throat> release into this now. I was here all the time, d- but this is now <laughs> going to focus on you. Um, I think it's fair to say that the 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 female sexual side of the of the clinic really kind of expanded and blossomed once this release joined um, would you like to maybe comment on that before Mark? before
1: um, Elise comes in there hmm. um, Elise when did you join me in 2019 2020 hey? 2020 yeah. okay so actually um, what happened um, you and I were already in negotiations. No, 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 no. no, no. We we started negotiations. But in 2019, there was a consensus paper, and Elise and I love consensus papers because it's an unbiased um, uh, research that was done. Consensus paper that was published on female hypersexuality uh, desire disorder. That's right. um, Which is actually low libido in women. And the consensus showed that testosterone is the Best way to treat this, but not any testosterone, injectable testosterone. And you know what? That's what started with me getting females back. Um, because into the males,
2: I remember you told me the husbands referred
1: the woman, well, well, yeah, their
2: partners.
0: Mm. But what attracted you to joining the tea clinic,
2: Elise? Oh. Think it was an instant connection <laughs> with Dr. Mark. No, let me go
0: back. But there was a connection though, because you guys met. Yeah, what I did a is I became
2: aware of him um, doing certain procedures, specifically PRP for erectile dysfunction. Explain PRP. PRP is platelet-rich plasma, where we inject it into the penis to rejuvenate erectile tissue. And I worked for a company where we brought in those devices and then obviously through marketing, et cetera, I wanted somebody to train some of my clients how to do this procedure. I will
1: never forget the first doctor that I trained for you. It was the head of urology department, Prof Chetty. Yes. Do you remember that?
2: Correct. In Durban. Yeah. So I met Mark at the airport in Durban. And um, we we just knew there was, you know, there was a connection. Yeah. And um, after that, we kept in contact a little bit, once a month, maybe whatever, mm. on the on the idea that he wanted to buy product from me. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah, and then he called me one evening and he said, "Yeah, he needs to expand the clinic." And he needs a nurse. And I said, that's why you called me. Mm. But my background is also gynecology, urology. So I want to get the message across. Don't ever think that what you've do, done yesterday or 20 years ago doesn't have an impact on how you, your career may expand in the future.
1: So, you know, but there's such a great synergy um, between the people that work in, in the practice. So... Elise um, brought the female side back into the practice because how many years were you uh, a scrap sister for Euro sure. Euros euro Eurogynical procedures? So and then how many devices did did you bring into the market specifically for the Eurogyne side? Yeah, um, and and that's <laughs> that's what got. Um, I think especially our female side um, going. And then we started looking at um, treating menopause because menopause is such a debilitating condition, not only because of its symptoms, but of the sequelae of uh, what happens when your hormones go out of whack. Um, And one of the biggest messages, Elise, I think that we wanted to get across and still trying to get across is it's not just the symptoms of menopause that we treat. It's what happens when you do not yes. treat menopause. For yes. heart attacks, for strokes, the diabetes, for weight gain, the cognitive decline, the osteoporosis, the, the cancer. Um you know what, uh, and and those are things that people never spoke about. Yeah, twenty twenty one was um, a, a, a turning point in the understanding of the importance of female hormones as well as the safety. Yeah, uh, with the publish uh, publishing of the uh, um, uh, consensus and statements uh, regarding the Women's Health Initiative It's study. actually
2: very fresh because July 2022, it was peer-reviewed, that study. And yeah, the study came out in its,
1: 2021 and then last year it was, was peer-reviewed. Peer reviewed, yeah. yeah.
2: And that was what gave us the oomph the to say, listen, we are right, what we're doing is safe, ethical, etc. Et yeah. et Again,
1: when we started um, treating women... There was very little data, and yeah. the data was actually very contradicting. Yeah, um, and that data that was out there was because of misinterpretation from the media um, about preliminary results of one of the biggest studies ever conducted on on the safety of uh, hormone optimization.
0: Now, okay, you mentioned menopause, but that. Obviously not the only thing that that Elise brought to the clinic. I mean, what, what else did you look at? What are you looking at in the clinic as far as female um, health, sexual wellness is concerned?
2: Yeah, so um, menopause comes with different um, conditions. Um, Mark mentioned a few of that. But also what we implemented is with safe hormonal optimization therapy, you need to have your screening tests done, for instance, pap smear, um, a recent pap smear, so that we are sure that these not atypical cells that can maybe cause problems in future. Um, f- a female, proper female consultation and examination is being done then um, what else? What else do we do? So I
1: think one of the biggest things was um, vaginal rejuvenation. Vaginal rejuvenation, which
2: is also a a symptom of menopause. And I
1: think when people (laughs) think about vaginal rejuvenation, they actually think tightening. Um, It's it's not that. As you get older, the mucous membranes of the vagina start atrophying. In other words, you know what, now they can't produce lubrication anymore. They start cracking. Um, think about skin that's getting older. The smallest little uh, bump creates a, 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 a lesion, um, an abrasion. And that's what was happening. So obviously before. penetration
0: becomes very painful. In, in certain
1: Sexual cases, it, 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 it yeah. becomes Sexual completely um, uh impossible because, uh, sorry, you can't touch here. It's not nice. It's And, and you know what? That leads, leads to sexual dysfunction. Mm. Um, if something is no longer nice, you're going to start avoiding it. But one of the other things that uh, was a breakthrough for us, Elise, when you were still with New Angle, was the use of PRP in treating anorgasmia and um, stress incontinence.
0: Just explain anorgasmia.
2: It's where a woman is unable to reach an orgasm through penetration or stimulation. So that was one of our biggest, and we did a podcast with this patient still at the old studio, Mm -hmm. where she said she's been married for 22 years and she never reached an orgasm. And through PRP… Which we call the new shot, we enabled her to learn to get an orgasm. Yeah, Going I, I remember Sims.
1: Do you remember the show called uh, uh, "The Female Journey to Orgasm"?
2: Yes, I do.
1: Um, where we actually, uh, you know, but for guys to ejaculate, you have to orgasm. Mm. For women, orgasm is a learned experience. It's yeah. something that elites taught me: is that women have to learn how to have an orgasm.
2: Yeah. So we just worked on the physical side as well as coaching her through how to stimulate to reach an orgasm. And I'm going back to what I always tell the patients. It's your own body. You need to understand it. You need to learn it how to work, how to optimally work, how to get the biggest pleasure out of life. And that's part of the journey through Mm. Um, the tea clinic that we work with
0: women. So, what I've, what I've kind of picked up here is that there are kind of major differences, and maybe this is stating the obvious uh, major differences between treating men and women at the clinic.
1: Yes. yes or no. I, I actually think that women's far more difficult, far more complicated, because, yeah. um, you know what, women are emotive, um, where um, men are not. It's uh, you know. uh, So often did we encounter women that, for instance, at the age of forty, have never masturbated, Um, and you know what? Now they're sitting with sexual dysfunction, not not necessarily pain, but you know, at low libido, and the husband is is now starting to take issue with us. and, and, and they don't understand. So there was a lot of coaching. With men, it was a little bit easier. Um, men, no. Um, you know what? Uh, when we started, there was a big stigma about talking about erectile dysfunction. And even more so with sexual dysfunction in women. Orgasmia, um orgasmia, uh, vaginism, um, you know what? Bladder infections, thrush uh, infections. Kinds of All of those. So the biggest, the biggest journey that we embarked on, and still is on, and this is why we do these kind of shows: is to um, give information in understandable language about um, issues that people are often too scared too, um, to address with their healthcare providers or sitting with a healthcare provider who you might think have prejudice or um, a, d- a different belief system and, and you can't approach the subject. So for, for many men, uh, having a female GP, it's difficult to uh, uh, talk about erectile dysfunction. Exactly the same for women. Um, you know what, discussing these kinds of things with your gynae or your GP is, is, is quite difficult. Um, but, you know what, when we started, um, you know what, the practice evolved exponentially. We started seeing the benefit of hormone treatment on pain, for instance. And then we started doing more and more research and we learned that estrogen is anti-inflammatory and the role that estrogen plays in uh, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, lupus, etc., etc., et, cetera, et cetera, um, We started seeing the benefit of testosterone on pain and patients with chronic pain conditions. And the more research we started doing, um, a year old, we started getting conflicting information specifically um, because the uh, United States Pain Association, American Pain Association, and some of the international pain associations started questioning the warnings that places, uh, things like the FDA put out um, towards the use of testosterone. Now, just to, to give you an explanation, um, if, if you have chronic pain, the condition itself decreases the amount of testosterone that you produce. Um, you take medication, most of them have some kind of opioid in them. And what the opioids do is they further downregulate testosterone production. But for your pain medication to effectively bind to pain receptors to mitigate, to modulate the pain receptor. You need optimal levels of testosterone. And this is what the pain experts started questioning us. what now? You know, what you're you telling us that testosterone is dangerous from a cardiovascular perspective, but how do we optimally treat patients with pain because the medication is no longer working? And then uh, it was last year, Elise, where... Um, we saw the studies that came out on cardiovascular health and testosterone where it's now proven that testosterone um, protects against cardiac dysfunction and cardiovascular disease, like it uh, helps with kidney disease. But that's Um, optimal. Optimal. Optimal optimal balancing.
2: Not over
1: testosterone. Yeah. Um, So… Um, you know, it, we started working on uh, metabolic disease because yeah, that's
2: where w- I wanted to go. Now
1: um, we saw that um, patients with uh, low levels of hormones are often coming in, and they have weight gain. They have diabetes or pre-diabetes. They high have kidney disease. They have high cholesterol. Yeah. Um, they Blood have thyroid patient. dysfunction. Um, so that's,
0: that's sorry, I'm interrupting. But now that's one of the areas that you've really kind of started exploring uh, is the the weight, the weight aspect, the weight gain. Is it not at the clinic? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yes. You know what? Um, what if we look at the pandemic of weight and obesity? Um, you know what? We we d- looked at the statistics. In 1980, nine percent of the world—no, yeah, nine percent of the world's population—battled with overweight and obesity. If we, in in the past 30 years, that has skyrocketed to 48 percent of the world sure. population being either overweight or obese. Now, uh, when you look at that, um, you know what we look at the. In the increase in metabolic disease, and the two mimic one another. So you know, with metabolic disease was something like five percent of a population, and suddenly we're sitting with a population of forty-six percent of people with metabolic disease. But it's that it, it's directly linked to obesity. One of the other big things that we worked on in the practice was gut health. Yes. Yeah. Um, because, um, but it's
2: interesting how everything just followed the next thing.
1: Yeah. Um, it's all linked. It's all it not?
2: totally yeah. linked. Yeah. And yeah. if you don't, if you take one cha- uh, one um, thing out of the chain, what do you call that thing? Element. Uh, yeah. no. A ring, what do you call it? One link. Link. One link out of the chain, then everything falls flat. So we holistically treat patients not only with testosterone.
1: I think that's the right word that you've used is holistic. Yeah, it's always been a holistic approach to well-being and quality of life. Yeah. You know what, I'm I'm of the conviction it's not only a belief, it's a conviction. Um, What is the use of being alive if it's not good? Um, You know, so I always finish my consultations with uh, the following questions. If I ask you to rate your physical well-being out of 10, how would you rate it? And here we look at weight, energy, uh, pain, strength. Um, And then um, mental well-being. You know, here we're looking at the cognitive side, memory, concentration, learning. Um, We look at the mental side depression, anxiety, mood swings, irritability, and higher function, motivation, drive, libido, sex drive. Um, You know, how good is that? And then
2: the the nice one is the self-esteem. Yeah. That makes them think.
1: Yeah, I I think I always tell them, sorry, this is an unfair question to ask, but score your self-esteem out of 10. And every time I was asking that question – I answered myself, and you know what? I was, I'm, I'm successful, I'm fairly fit, I'm not a precursor to look at, but my self esteem was <laughs> a six. Why? Because I sat with a, a little bit of abdominal um, adiposity. I wouldn't say I was ever fat, but you know it It made me feel uncomfortable, and that had a negative effect on my self esteem.
0: Like what Exactly like what he did to me this morning. Mm-hmm. He called me obese.
1: <laughs> I didn't call you my, obese. Because of the
0: fat around my tummy. Yeah. Well, you implied it. <laughs> yes.
1: So, um, so then, now your self-esteem you know, is too. Gone. We, we also started working with IV therapy, bespoke mm. nutritional optimization. Yeah. Um, we work very close with our good friends at the Compounding Pharmacy of South Africa. And Divya Naidu, who's often on the show, has been one of my mentors for almost 20 years. And, um, you know, with understanding functional medicine, um, where you don't treat disease, you optimize function. So when you walk into your GP, you are sick. You don't feel well. Your energy is poor. And all you want from the GP is make me better, and you know what? He prescribes medication that treats the symptoms. So here's a painkiller, you know what? Here's an antibiotic. But and you go home, and you only go back to your practitioner when you're sick again. With our practice, it works completely differently. People come in feeling bad, and men may come back because they're starting to feel better.
0: Um, so it's like it's a, it's a journey. It's a fairly long-term Absolutely. Approach.
1: You know what? You need to understand that once you embark on hormone optimization, and I always call it optimization. I never call it replacement. I call it optimization because you want to optimize and balance the system. Uh, once you embark on that journey, if you stop, your hormones are going to decline again. Remember, now we're keeping them artificially balanced. But when you stop, the body is broken down. It's not something that you can fix. And this is where it becomes very important to, to understand the difference between life expectancy and biological lifespan. So our life expectancy is now, what, almost 80? So, But your biological lifespan is only 40. So so, a lot of
0: people are living way
1: past 80. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know… So um Elise, what else do we say? So do? I
2: think it's it's worth mentioning that out of all of this with hormone optimization therapy, we realise that weight management is a,
1: a key a, factor. A
2: key factor. Yeah. Because as soon as you start treating your metabolic disease, you can change the lifestyle to and to get the patients motivated, et cetera, to start
1: losing weight.
2: Yeah. So that is something that we embarked on as well, Yeah. Um, I,
1: successfully, I, actually. Very successfully. We have patients in our practice that in one year lost 40 kilograms, and it's not just one patient. Yeah. It's uh, uh, Through lots the, of yeah, patients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's not a lot of people that need to lose 40 kilograms, but there's a lot of people that need to lose 10 or 15. Yeah. Um, And weight loss is difficult. Weight loss is not willpower. And this is something that we really need to understand. Weight loss is a chronic medical condition. Um, The first people to uh, recognize it as a medical condition was the EU. And then only, I think it was in around about 2014, did the World Health Organization.
2: Was it that long ago? I thought it
1: was more recent. I think the World Health Organization said in 2014, it was the American Health Association that only recognized it in 2021. Yeah as, as a, a, a chronic condition, and therefore it should be treated as that. So you can't manage weight if you don't manage metabolism.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So you have to treat the metabolic diseases and the metabolic disorders of which hormone imbalances is the causing factor um, before you can lose weight effectively. So many people can go on a 12-week starvation diet, and the moment that they stop, they put the weight back on. So you need to use um, all the tools in your tool belt, Mm. uh, which includes lifestyle changes, management of stress, sleep, optimal hormone balancing, weight loss medication, diet, exercise. You have to combine all of them to do this effectively and more than anything else, sustainably.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Just very briefly, because I think we're coming to the end of the show. Uh, You said to me before we went on air that um, you're going to be doing a podcast on this particular thing. But very briefly, um, you've also kind of crossed over to include aesthetics in male sexuality, Talking about penis enhancement, do you want to just briefly touch on that?
1: Yeah, I I think um, you know, but for, for so many years, uh, women have been doing breast augmentations and um, breast lifts, um, and you know what? Uh, let's be honest. A, a guy's self esteem very often lies in you know not only whether he is willie is working, but what how big is it. Um, you know, what if you're amongst uh, a group of guys and you all have to go and shower uh, in a communal shower, um, you know what, the guy with a small willy is the one that either showers very quickly and first um, or right at the end in cold water because, you know what, uh, it, it's an issue for us. And when we started with platelet-rich plasma therapy, uh, treating erectile dysfunction, um, both for blood flow problems, neurological problems, post-surgery and prostatectomies, and stuff like that, we noticed that there was a, a, a change in how guys saw the size because there's a visible difference. If you regenerate that sponge tissue, there's more of it. In other words, the penis looks bigger. Not just not only just looks bigger, but actually is bigger. And then, you know what, we were um, asked to join an international study um, on erectile dysfunction where we used bioelectrical stimulation, which was specifically uh, formulated for treating erectile dysfunction. And you spearheaded that, that part, Dante. Yes. Um, and we also saw a, a, a definite increase in growth. Um, of of the penises. Again, it's regeneration of tissue. So as an aesthetic practitioner who deal with um, tissue fillers uh, on a daily basis and have been doing so for, for many, many years, um, you know, what we looked at enhancement of penis size um, through use of tissue filler. And it's something that, you know, what uh, Sister Elise and I have really become Quite experts in, Comfort- if I have to comfortable, say to so myself. Yes, um,
2: you know what? Very uh, pleasing for both you and I. Very what?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pleasing.
0: <laughs> <Don't> in <laughs> what way?
1: Explain. <laughs> so the results um, with, with <laughs> penis augmentation <laughs> when you put a tissue filler. uh, under the skin of a penis, you know what, you you immediately increase the size, especially in the girth. But it's very, very tricky to get it right, because, you know, a flaccid penis and an erect penis looks completely different. Yes. Um, And that tissue filler sits over a sheath. So, you know, think of um, a a heart tendon, um, and it encapsulates the erectile tissue. So, in a soft state, you know what, if I spread that, that filler, um, you know what, it, it's going to look great. But if I'm erect, um, you know what, that filler is going to look lumpy and bumpy. So um, it's something that um, through uh, quite a lot of experience and knowledge, about the properties of a product and how the penis works, et cetera, et cetera, we do quite successfully, you know, at where we can um, enhance a penis by, what, go two centimeters? Yeah. Um, in a flaccid as well as an erect state. But the trick is to to get it to look um, aesthetically pleasing yeah. um, in that. So, you know, that's one of the other things that, that came out mm. of that. Right, yeah. Okay, Sims. You're giving me the lasso. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? This went so incredibly quickly. Yep. Um Elise, do you want to do you want to recap some of your highlights about what we do in the T clinic? Yeah, well,
2: I think um, what is what was gratifying for me is to see the journey of the patients that really adhere uh, to the treatment protocol and buy into the concept. Usually we are the last resort when patients come and see us because they've been everywhere and nobody could help them. And what when we see them, they're already in a very mental and physical bad state. I want to say it that mm. way. And then um, the role that we play to reassure them to say, listen, just Come with the journey. Let's do it. You will see the difference, etc., etc. And my personal experience for of this journey um, is on the female side very important to deal to share with these patients. Mm. And I, I wish I can express myself better on how people's lives changed or. I want to say quality, of, quality life. of life changed and is still changing yeah. and how good it f- is to see that changes and how the journey helps them to get better.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things mm-hmm. that, that people need to understand is that the T-Clinic is a multidisciplinary specialized clinic where we treat all kinds of hormone <coughs> imbalances. Sorry, it's me. Um, All kinds of hormone imbalances, uh, sexual dysfunction in both men and women, pain, weight, sleep disorders. Um, And we work very closely with specialists like urologists and certain gynecologists for uh, sleep specialists. We uh, implement both prescription as well as compounded medication that's registered with our medical control council. Uh, We employ uh, bespoke supplementation, both orally as well as intravenous supplementation, um, and you know what—it's—it's it's all about creating physiological balance in in systems and then optimizing them, giving you better well-being and ultimately quality of life. Um,
0: I, I just think, um, just from from my my perspective, there's just been such an extraordinary kind of expansion in, in the tea clinic from when it started to what's being offered now that is really fairly mind-boggling. You've got to ask the question, which I don't know if you can answer or not, is where to next?
1: You know what? I think one of our biggest challenges that we have is still creating the awareness um, amongst the population that optimal balancing of hormone systems are essential in preventing the diseases of aging. And here we're specifically thinking of metabolic disease.
2: Um, I want to interject here. I think the expansion is not on the charts now. We still have so much to do.
0: That's what I'm saying. You know, where to next? Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's so many people needing this. Yeah. In the
0: Out there, so yes, yeah, you, you all guys I are still basically say. performing a, almost a unique function out there. I no, don't know, I, I think in South you know,
1: Africa, definitely yeah. one of the few clinics that's okay. giving it. Okay, so okay, be now... A bad, bad eye. Here we go. Um, so, if you want to know more about what we do at Fatigue Clinic, or if you are battling with any of the signs or symptoms of hormone imbalances, fatigue, <laughs> weight gain, uh, mental disorders. Uh, you're welcome to contact us. Uh, we on most of your social media platforms. I think the only one that we're not on is X. But you can call us in Johannesburg on 010-824-1393. And our website is www.thetclinic.com. Until next week, where we will be discussing what are we discussing next week? Yeah, What's next week's date? Dinner. Okay, something. We'll discuss something next week. (laughs) Um, And um, then I promised Gareth this morning that the last Thursday, I think that is the 26th, we will be focusing on uh, male sexual enhancement. In other words, big dicks. So, okay, until then, um, we wish you all the best in health. That was the T Health Show, empowering you with knowledge. Download all previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The Tea Health Show is brought to you by Tea Clinic.